Welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Command and control leadership is dead. We interview leaders, entrepreneurs, and executive coaches challenging old paradigms and fostering cutting-edge leadership. Here's your host, certified executive coach, Nate Leslie. Oh, hell no. Oh my God, look at you, man. You look exactly the friggin' same as you were kicking a ball around in Madrid like 12 years, 14 years ago. It's been fun to follow your career from afar, man. And it's a good life, man. We settled in here. Yeah, when I left you, I was in Jakarta as a young, not so young teacher and then moved to Shanghai. We did four years there in Shanghai and sort of grew the family and then went to Ecuador for three. And now... I'm here in Paris. This is year five. I got a boy who's graduating next year, a girl going to high school. It's just crazy. You know, I'll say it again before this is over, but man, I knew you would end up crushing it in your life, dude. I knew you would go on to do exactly what you're doing and just lead people and inspire people and get people to be their best selves. I'm just so proud and excited that you have done that for I just knew you were going to crush it. You're just too good of a guy not to spread that around the world, man. I love it. Thanks, man. I, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I, that means, that means more than more to me than you, than you might realize. Um, isn't that funny? Like I can't even remember exactly well, that's what, what we did, but it's still, it's, that's the funny thing about education. You can't always remember what you learned, but it changes the way you are. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, a, that's actually really Good statement. But the thing that was interesting about you, you absolutely were an anomaly in that program or an outlier because we were all singularly focused on what we wanted out of that degree, right? Mm. And but you weren't invested necessarily in becoming going down the road of becoming a teacher, a master teacher, getting the admin, become building principal, like all that sort of stuff. You really were looking for how this could shape just your leadership ability down the road. Yeah. Right. And wherever that was going to take you, it was going to be an anchor for whatever you jumped off to do. So I think it did play a really integral part into who you are now. But for you, I just you, we left the program and I, I just would I couldn't have guessed what you would have gone on to do. <laughs> right. But seeing what you do now, it just I'll be like, yeah, that's about right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Hey, curious listeners, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. Uh, my guest today uh, bridges a gap from my former life into the one that I'm living right now. I often talk about the fact that I'm in my fourth career, first as a professional athlete and then as an educator and then in sport development and now as a certified executive coach. Uh, this guy on the line with me here, we did our master's in education together in Madrid, Spain. I think I did it because I uh, wanted two summers in Madrid and I was curious about where my degree uh, might take me in my life in a leadership capacity. Uh, at the time, my guest, uh, Dan Kerr, was teaching at the International School of Jakarta. He has since spent, uh, after years there, years in Shanghai, China, uh, Ecuador, he's now the principal at the American School of Paris, which he's in Paris, France today. And leadership is the, is the tie that binds us in just a way that, that we hope to show up for the people that we lead, I think is a, a common denominator. So that's where we're headed. Dan Kerr, welcome to Leading with Curiosity. 
Hey, thank you, Nate. This is the best. Listen, I've been waiting for this for a long time, my friend. So I could be more excited. Thanks for having me on the show. Right on. You know, my, my father is a guest in a previous episode and I couldn't have him on first. I also, did, you know, can't have your dad on your first ever episode, right? So I blended him in somewhere. I think you're coming in at a nice time a year into it. Uh, it's one of the reasons that you and I have reconnected. So um, so here we are. Uh, I prompted you with one question, Dan. Um, what's the most important question I can ask you in the next half an hour? I thinking about that is probably maybe asking me why I chose to lead, like why, why leadership, right? Like what is it about that that made me um, maybe go down that road? I think I was really lucky and maybe I tried really, really hard when I was a young teacher to look for ways to affect change, you know, with my own particular kids, maybe the, my 15, 20 kids in my classroom. And over time, I, um, I started to see that I had a skill set and a desire to affect change, maybe on a larger level. So I would jump into you know, the PFA or I would look to become a grade level leader. And the more I started to do that, um, the more I started to feel like, hey, you know what? It feels pretty good to give back. And at the same time, I came across an amazing mentor of mine who saw something in me and said, you know, really, you have something to give to this world that is beyond um, you know, a third grade teacher. So you should think about stepping into leadership. And the first thing you should do is maybe get your master's in that. And that's what ultimately led me to see you. But I think uh, it's all about affecting change. It's all about inspiring others to be their best selves. And as I've grown into this role over time, that mentor who set me straight, it really now is about me trying to find ways to give back and to pay it forward with other young teachers and other professionals so that they can also lead down the road. Wow, right on. Let's let's go there for a second. That that mentor. Uh, what was it about him that put him in that position for you as as a mentor in your life? What was inspiring about him was it was the first time where I really could see what what good looked like, right? And when I mean what good looked like, I meant how does somebody uh, develop strong, lasting relationships with people? And it was at that time, just watching him from afar, I noticed that everything good that came out of school and organization could all be pinned down to the relationships that you develop with other people. And it's not just relationships with teachers to teachers, but the way he interacted with the parent community, the way he spoke to kids, the way he spoke to local staff. And I mean, he was just so empathetic and so such a so full of integrity and he listens so well and he just found a way to inspire others to be them, their best selves and I, I saw that and I just was like wow I, I want to do that. Wow I, I just had this visual of this like 360 view that that he had when he talked about the way he managed his relationships with parents with the local staff in the international school with the kids all with empathy. Those are different audiences. And so maybe, maybe you can touch on just, yeah, did, as a leader, we can't just be, oh, this is just who I am, right? We need to know our audience. We need to know what's appropriate in the moment. What, what's your take on that? Well, what he did really well, and I think what all good leaders do is they just listen really, really well. And ultimately they find if there's, a, if there's ever a situation or a problem that needs addressing, there's always a route to it, right? And usually it comes either out of a place of fear or a place of a lack of understanding. But if you don't listen well, 
And if you don't, and uh, if you're very, you, and you need not to get very defensive very quickly, you have to have a, a thick skin and you have to be able to, to sort of listen deeply to what's really going on. So with a parent, for example, they'd come in with, with an issue or a problem and he would really, really listen and get down to the root of what's happening and finally find a way forward with them. Um, if there was a problem with the local, local faculty or local staff, he would do the same thing. And just so service, you know, service um, focused and learning focused and solution focused. And it was never about him. It was always about how I can make somebody else's experience better. Mm. Service focused, learning, listening, empathy, uh, all tied up uh, with a bow with your line. Uh, what does good look like? Just that, that I imagine you think about him uh, from time to time in sticky situations now. Would, I, would my hunch be right? Yeah. And you know, it's a beautiful moment, Nate, was that uh, he Paris just last, um, just last fall. Mm-hmm. And I took him out to dinner and I told him, and this is another important piece of leadership is when you, you, if you're a good leader, you tell people all the time about how they've been in a positive impact in your life, right? Like you're, you are grateful to your core for the, for what other people have brought for you in your life to allow you to get to that position. So I, I, I saw him, I told him, we became very tearful, but very beautiful Mm. and we hugged it out. And, you know, for him at the end of his career to have someone like me, to recognize that someone like him allowed me to get to where I am was very validating, very fulfilling and a beautiful way to end um, sort of his edu- educational journey. And I will, I will, I try to do that. Um, and he's to be able to hug him in Paris at a cafe was a, just a life-changing moment for me. Wow. Um, I feel like sharing this conviction that I've learned and adopted about the word mentor, as you describe him, uh, our most listened to episode is Mentor as a Gift Word. I think it's uh, episode three with Ian Chisholm from the Roy Group. With uh, I'm very grateful to have a chance to work with Roy Group consistently right now. This idea that mentor is a gift word. Uh, for 20 years, I called myself a hockey coach mentor. Yeah, I called myself, I said, I'm doing this thing to people and therefore I am the mentor. Uh, I realized in a one minute moment, uh, interacting with the Chisholm, uh, it's some, it's a word that if we're lucky, a couple of people might call us in our lives, that it's something that we have to earn over time by showing them, by exemplifying to them what good or what great looks like. And it's not something that we can actually call ourselves. It's something that we can aspire to be. Uh, it, 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 it comes from uh, the Odyssey from Homer. It's actually a character named Mentor in the book that you and I were supposed to read in high school, and I know neither of us did, but we should have. I'll pause there. Just this idea that uh, being careful of calling ourselves a mentor, that in fact, it's a gift that someone can give us. How does that feel? Oh, man. And what I, I love that so much. That is such a blog post for me that I might steal down the road. The, um, but what you, what you just said a minute ago, you resonated even more deeply with me. Is that You said that being a mentor is something that you have to earn. And, you know, it's funny when the first person thanked me for being a mentor in their life, it kind of took me aback because I was like, wow, am I, I'm, I am actually at the age where I can be a mentor for somebody or I've done, I've been successful in life that somebody sees me in that way. And um, yeah, it was, a, that was also an emotional moment when I found 
what so many people have done for me to allow me to be to arrive at where I am in my career now, I've had four or five beautiful, incredible mentors, change agents. Mm-hmm. And for someone to say that to me, that I've done that for someone else, uh, is about as good as a gift that I have ever been given. So when you say mentor is a gift word and you have to earn it, um, yeah, I'm not sure somebody could say something more profound and to me than that, honestly. Yeah, I, I think we endure a lot of stuff that is worth getting up for if that is our driving principle. And I think that's part of the, the tie that binds you and I together is, yeah, you, you can endure some tough times. You've been running an international school for a couple of years in a pandemic. My God. Um, but when that service is a core, that pursuit of being worthy of the word mentor uh, is, is at the heart of it. Um, I can imagine you've endured some tough, tough stuff uh, because of the way you show up. Well, yeah, I mean, it, that really it's about when you're faced in times of difficult times or times of crisis, uh, that's when leadership shows up. And that's when you get to sort of bank on the relationships and the culture that you've built that allows you to sustain those lack. Because when you, the, the pandemic is a perfect example of how, you know, community went away in a lot of ways. Um, people became very comfortable in their isolation. And the default for people to communicate was either through text message online or you know, social media. And that whole idea of community really was reshaped. And if you, didn't, if you don't have those strong lasting relationships and, and find ways quickly to keep community going, then it can unravel very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, crisis really shows people's mettle. So with, with culture and relationships, um, that's easy when it's easy, right? Mm-hmm. But when, when you're stuck in a crisis or you're facing some real challenges, that's when the work that you've done to build all that really comes into play. Uh, our leadership and our relationship is, is our currency. Uh, expand on that. Yeah, I just am a firm believer that the only true currency that we have in this world right now is the relationships that we develop with other people and the energy that we bring to every single human interaction. Like every time you show up, to any space with any interaction, you have the ability and the opportunity to either inspire or to deflate, right? And that happens. One of those two things happens. And you have to be purposeful and intentional to come in to just to be ready to be your best self for others and to inspire. That's the gift that we have that we often don't give to other people, but is the gift that we should be giving all the time. I don't know if I've thought about the tipping point before. We speak often in leadership about our conduct and the impact that we have and the way we make people feel, but there's literally a tipping point there. It's like the sharp edge of a pencil between inspiring or deflating. You're, you're, you're often not at zero. You're doing one of those two things, even if it's just in an incremental way. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, we have a we have an initiative here at our school. We started a couple of years ago. That's the, our mantra is you are the weather. And it's a commitment that we make <laughs> as a faculty that we even have. The, that's the rug that we that we that opens up our lower schools, the rug that says you are the weather. And it's a commitment that we've made that when when we enter the the doorways of our school, 
we are there to inspire and we are sunny days for kids and the stuff that's going on in our personal lives, all those things, the, the dark thoughts or whatever, the fight that you had on your way to work, all that goes away. And you are going to, you are going to inspire these young people today. And that's what, yeah, you are the weather. It's, it's just what we talk about and what we do. Oh gosh. I, really like that line and it reminds me of the choice that we have yes we bring our whole selves to work and in 2022 leadership needs to recognize that right this is not 1970s where you pretend that nothing's happening uh, and balancing that with the fact that you are the weather you are going to determine the experience for the kids and your colleagues uh, by the way that you show up so we have an obligation to recognize that the people that we're interacting with might have a lot going on. And we have an obligation to realize uh, the power of what we choose to do with that. Uh, and that, again, it's easy when it's easy. It's easy when it's easy. And you're absolutely right. It's not that if people have stuff going on in this day and age, there's no, everybody has something that they're going through, right? And the only appropriate response to any human interaction is kindness. Like it's just, it's just as simple as that. Everybody is going through something. Everybody, particularly over the last couple of years has been impacted by this uh, in, a, in a way that's impacted their health and wellness, their social and emotional well-being. And you have to show up kind. You have to show up empathetic and you, or yeah or you deflate like it's that it's that simple and it sounds so easy and for people who have done the work um it becomes who they are but it's not everybody's default right and it takes a lot of intentional purposeful professional development on our part as a school um, a lot of faculty meetings a lot of relation relationship building opportunities for us to get to that place where we do indeed show up with kindness and courage the other piece of that, Nate, if I can continue, yeah. is not just the kindness piece, but you have to get to a place where you have the courage and the vulnerability to say really what you need to say and to advocate for what it is that you need and to not let it sort of degrade down to water cooler talk, but to face someone mm. in, in, you know, presuming positive intent and asking for what you need and saying what you need in a nice way and getting through it. But that's how, that's how you build culture it's hard but it's the way to go before i ask you more about what you do about that i just don't want to acknowledge something that's coming up for me dan is that 14 years ago when we were sitting on the lawn having you know two euro bottles of wine after class in our masters i know we were having great conversations uh i love the depth of this one <laughs> uh but it would it's your contagious and infectious eternal optimism that is making this conversation so uh, easy for me today. And it's the reason that I knew this uh, would be a rewarding and meaningful conversation for me, hopefully for the listeners too. I do want to ask you, um, I agree with everything you're saying. And as the principal of a school and as a courageously committed leader, can you share with us some approaches you take in the difficult conversations when people walk through your door and bring in clouds and rain? 
when the weather that they bring isn't what it needs to be. Just just some tactical things that you have found work in those conversations that are probably easy to avoid. And if you do, things just get worse. Yeah, for sure. I mean, before I talk to you about that, I'll just say that one of the things that a mentor said to me um, back in the day was that true leadership is, a, is, um, is about what you're willing to address, right? And ultimately, you need to address anything that is going to turn your culture sideways or erode it. And any, even if it's the slightest thing, you have to address things. <clears throat> so the way to do that, obviously, is to build up the relationships beforehand. So you have all that sort of cachet in the bank that you can take a couple of withdrawals from. Mm. But if you build those relationships strong enough, when someone has a bad day or makes a mistake or is, is struggling one way or another, or is it just, is just not the fit that you thought they were going to be. Yeah. You, you call them in and you just ask them, and this is the strategy. I mean, nobody wants to do a poor job. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to be an a-hole, right? Like for the most part, something is going on in their lives. It's a need that's not being met for them. They feel maybe undervalued or they don't see, they don't feel seen or they don't feel heard. Mm -hmm. So it's asking some of those probing questions about what it is that's going on in their lives that is making them you know, act or react in a certain way. And if you can really get them to talk about what it is that's going on in them, everybody loves to talk about themselves, but if, they can, if you can get them to identify it, then you can find a way forward. So it's not about you know, being the boss and having some sort of punitive conversation or dressing someone down. It's about, listen, you look like you're struggling. What is it that's happening in your life that I can support you with so I can get you to become your best self again? And let's talk about that. And, you know, you, and then in, if there, and then maybe even sharing a vulnerable moment in your earlier career where, you know, there's lots of times in my life where I was struggling as a young teacher and I wasn't my best self. And I can sort of share a story with them about how, I struggled through something to try to get them to be more vulnerable with me and more trusting, but just seeing people as human beings. Mm -hmm. I mean, God, aren't we all so valuable, right? I mean, <laughs> so that's, that's a, just seeing people for who they are, hearing them, listening to them, seeing them that works for the most part. I heard you say it's about building that foundation about the like banked trust and, 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 in times you need to take some withdrawals from that bank account that you've built. And it's a lot easier with that foundation, which brings you back to the relationships being the core of everything that you do. I, I see your values playing out in that practical strategic sense uh, in those, in those difficult conversations. You sound like an executive coach, Denker. I do have to say um, for the listeners, <laughs> we're often interviewing coaches and, and leaders who believe in, in this coaching mindset. You know, it's not about dressing somebody down. Uh, it's not about command and control. It's about what are you willing to address and having real conversations about it and that path forward. Yeah, I think, I think that um, there's such a connection uh, in parallel between good professional coaches and school leadership I mean that's what it is it's it's again at the core of it it's relationships it's being able to and what's that my favorite quote what's that Stephen Covey quote it says like the, the, the leadership true leadership is the ability to communicate someone's 
worth and potential so effectively that they're inspired to see it in themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what coaches do. Good coaches do that with players and people they work with. Um, and you're in your line of work. It's for it's professionals and other leaders of companies. And for me, it's, it's, it's educators and kids, yeah. right. Allowing yeah. communicating someone's potential so effectively that they're, they're, they're able to see it in themselves is a beautiful, beautiful statement. Uh, between the inquiry based learning style that you uh, prescribe to see in the classroom and that, that you can take as the principal in that kind of school. Well, I mean, I think there's been a huge, there's been a shift that's been happening for a number of years, but it probably started when you and I did our master's degree. Hey, we're not that old, 2008. What did I say, 1998? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, 2008, sorry. Okay, go yeah. for it. I'm dating myself. I'm a decade older than you. Yeah. So 2008, um, this whole idea of finding different ways uh, to go beyond traditional education, and uh, it, a lot of it just came out with the idea of student agency, right, and allowing students to lead their own learning and how does that happen and it's not just sort of teacher delivering information for them to and sort of spit back to you but it's the it's about personalizing for them so that they feel patience that they have and the passions they they have are able to be part of their educational experience right so if we can get them to ask really good questions particular subject area perhaps and connect that to them on a personal level, then the learning will absolutely explode. And you can, the connection with me as a leader is not only do I help to enhance that as the educational program for our school, but it's also how I look at professional development. And it's not just students leading their own learning in the classroom, it's also finding ways for educators to be able to go after the learning that they wanna learn that'll make them better professionals, right? So it's about that voice and choice um, and opportunities to just for people to have a say in the work that they do, whether that's student work or teacher work. For me, I have a lot of um, freedom. Uh, I, I certainly have a beautiful head of school right now who is, does not micromanage me at all. As a matter of fact, she empowers me to be my best self. And so I chase up the kind of things that I want to learn. And I find areas that might, in, and I know myself as a, as a leader, so I know the skills that I need to develop. And I go after and I get that. And she supports, supports me on that 100%. So giving people that opportunity to, to be part of their journey, right? And I think that's something that's relatively new to uh, education in the last couple of decades. Dan, we're going to wrap it up. I want to leave this with one question for you. Having a chance to articulate these passions that you have for leadership, what is even more clear to you now after having been a guest and getting to explore this with me about your leadership i just like the i just like the connection to what you're doing in your line of work with executive coaching and my line of work which is education and i think that what i'm what i'm learning right now and it's it's a relearning for me is that good leadership um is true across all professions, right? I mean, the the business side of things, the educational side of things, the the private sector kinds of things like government agencies, politics, like all of these things comes down to the same kinds of approaches to leadership and leadership skills that good leaders have. And at the core of it, um, I think you would agree with this, 
there's nothing more important than the relationships that you develop with people and the ability you have to inspire others to be them their best selves. And I think that's true across wor- the world of work. You can find Dan Kerr's uh, musings about leadership, decades of blogging, blogging before blogging was a thing and still going strong at mondaymusings.org. Principal at the American School of Paris. I'd love to be sitting at that cafe giving you a hug right now, man. Uh, that sounds like a, 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 a wonderful thing. And I just want to thank you for sharing your insights uh, with our listeners today. Uh, thank you for having me, man. I wish I could jump through the screen and give you a big hug. I got so much love for you, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Man. Okay, man. Thanks for listening to Leading with Curiosity. Please share, follow, and rate the show so that other leaders can make positive change in the world. Connect with Nate at natelesley.ca. And remember, the brain behaves very differently when encouraged to think rather than told to listen.